The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Good morning. 12 minutes after 6. Join the conversation here on Find Your Phone Friday, 770-5633-770-KMED. The email bill at billmyershow.com. Hey, a couple of uh, school notes because we are getting some fluffy rain and actually some uh, snow in some of the higher hills in uh, southwest Oregon. And not a whole lot uh, going on at the moment. The Shady Cove and Lake Creek Learning Center, they're closing only. That's uh, Shady Cove and Lake Creek Learning Center uh, because of weather. And, you know, they're pretty high elevation at that point. All other schools in District 9 are on a regular schedule there. And at Central Point, the schools are going to be operating normal schedule today. But because of snow in the upper elevations, they're on snow routes just for this morning, okay? It's both for uh, elementary and secondary schools in the Central Point School District, okay? All right. Now, it's Friday morning, and after five mornings in, in a row of uh, talking about the news and looking at the, the headlines coming out of the out of the uh, legislature and coming out of Congress, uh, I'm thoroughly cynical, as I imagine you, <laughs> you probably are, too. It's like your cynicism gets fed all the time. But it's nice to be able to wash some of that out, a, a palate cleanser. And today is day two of the St. Jude Radiothon, Country Cares for Kids Radiothon, or Q100.3, our uh, sister station, my sister station down the hall here at KMED and KCMD. And this is the uh, final day that they're doing this. And you can become a monthly donor. And St. Jude, of course, uh, is just a wonderful, wonderful research hospital uh, families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food with children with cancer because uh, this is this is their mission, okay? And they have helped to uh, you know, discover cures for cancer for many childhood cancers, and it's so much better now today for children than it was 40, 50 years ago because of St. Jude. And you can help them out and just uh, pledge $19 a month to help the kids at St. Jude fight cancer. It's uh, 800-995-5257. 900 or 800 rather 995-5257 you can also text hope to the number 626262 okay and if you forget any of that just uh, pop me an email or send me a text message if you have my phone number and of course a lot of people do it seems they always like to text message me through the call uh, through the show too got to love that okay now uh feeding my now now that I've had that palate cleanser it's back to feeding my uh, natural cynicism here I'm going through the Oregonian, the Oregonian newspaper in Portland, Multnomah County, OregonLive.com. And I always love the way certain things get characterized. And this is the headline at the top of Olive. These Oregon lawmakers voted against recriminalizing drugs. Yes, this is House Bill 4002. Oregon House voted 51 to 7 on Thursday, passing the bill that will unlock, it'll unwind a lot of, uh, of Measure 110, but I don't think it went far enough. And so I, I do find it interesting that this is how, these are the Oregon lawmakers who voted against recriminalizing drugs. Now, I would be willing to bet you that the Democrats who did not uh, vote or voted to not approved measure uh, 4002 they wanted to make sure that uh, they know they don't want any limits and that would be like uh Farah Chiachi, a democrat from aloha ed uh, let's see mark gamba a democrat from milwaukee travis nelson democrat from portland 
Confam, Democrat from Portland. All right. Chances are, yeah, these Oregon lawmakers voted against recriminalizing drugs. But they also included these people who didn't. They, they, they didn't vote to decriminalize. And that would be uh, Dwayne Yunker. Dwayne Yunker, the Republican from Grants Pass. He's on the list, the naughty list. Jamie Kate, Republican from Lebanon. And we have Ed Deal, Republican from Staten. I would almost guarantee you that um, Con Pham, the Democrat from Portland, and Dwayne Yunker, the Republican from Grants Pass, voted against House Bill 4002 for very different reasons. Okay? But uh, Oregon Live is uh, just lumping them all. Yep, these are the people that would not vote uh, to recriminalize drugs. Now, it's because uh, I, I would guarantee you, in fact, I'm going to invite Dwayne's, I'm going to invite Dwayne on next hour to talk about it. I said, you need to come on because uh, the Oregonian is saying that you would not vote to recriminalize drugs. And you know what? Dwayne is going to be very clear about this. It's like, no, I thought this was a racket of a bill. It's going to go uh, paying off the Democrats' friends, and it's not really going to be as effective as it could be to have just, in other words, it needed to be tougher. So he voted no on it. And I'll guarantee you that's why Jamie Kate uh, voted no on it. I'll also guarantee you that's why Ed Deal from Staten voted no on it. The three Republicans. The reasons the Democrats vote no on it is because they don't want any judgment on anything. Hey, we need, you know, we need more derelict, crazy homeless out there and a lot of people disorderly, drunk, addicted. You know, they kind of like that. I don't know. Maybe they're uh, just breeding future future voters. I don't know. Anyway, because of this vote on House Bill 4002, the other news this morning is that uh, the politically connected group behind a a voter initiative that was going to really just repeal Measure 110 uh, ends up signaling yesterday that uh, they'll end the effort, so they're not going to try to do this ballot measure. The ballot measure would have passed, I think, in a landslide. It really would have, because it essentially would have completely taken Measure 110 out. But what they're saying, well, we got 85% of, uh, of what we wanted, and maybe that's okay. Uh, but still, I honestly think we would have been better off if we had just had the ballot measure because it would have been such, such a message sent home. And as it is right now, a lot of the nonprofit rackets are still going to get lots and lots of money from the state, meaning you. And that's one of the problems that, uh, that Dwayne Yunker had with this. So... We'll have that. We'll talk with him in a little bit about that. Rick Manning's going to be uh, joining me after 6.30. It's going to be the D.C. Swamp Update. And I want to think about how to think about uh, Mitch McConnell leaving. I really do have mixed emotions. He's very effective, been there a long, long time, knew where the bodies were buried, knew how to run the Senate. I didn't always agree with it. And uh, I remember how much incoming that uh, people threw at him when the Dems were trying to push Merrick Garland in after uh, Scalia died, after Justice Scalia died. And oh, and, and even Republicans were saying, hey, you should maybe get, uh, you know, get Merrick Garland in there because uh, who might come? They didn't think Trump was going to win, right? They didn't think Donald Trump was going to win. And so, well, give him Merrick Garland, all right, maybe it'd be worse under a Democratic administration, under a Hillary Clinton administration. I think that was the thought process back then. Well, uh, McConnell ended up being absolutely right. To just hold the vote open and not do it and then, you know, allow it to go forward under a Donald Trump administration. And hence we have 
like I had mentioned yesterday on the opening of the show, we have a uh, a much more conservative court than we otherwise might. Many more originalists on there. Thank goodness. They're not perfect, but it's better than Merrick Garland. Gosh, you've seen what a corruptico he's been these last few years. Could you imagine him having been a Supreme Court justice? Ay, 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 ay. So even Republicans were going after the turtle, you know, back at that time. But anyway, we'll kick it around with uh, with Rick. That should be pretty interesting after uh, 6.30 news, too. Also, by the way, 7.30, Captain Bill back on. Latest from the uh, continuing slow-mo excrement show known as the Klamath Dam removal. Keeping you up on that and uh, keeping you in the room, okay? Now then, um, more wonderful stories from the legislature. Also in Oregon Live this morning. Bill that would empower Oregon to penalize child labor law violators passes legislature. House Bill 4004 now heads over to Tina Kotek's desk for signature. Passed the Senate 24-6. The bill, which unanimously was passed out of the House, faced scrutiny on the Senate floor from a handful of Republican legislators. Two senators criticized a provision that would increase the maximum penalty for child labor violation from 1000 to $10,000. I bet you can guess who one of them was that questioned this. Yeah, the guy we talk to every Wednesday, State Senator Dennis Linthicum. He was, a, he was one of them. Dennis Linthicum, Klamath Falls, said a fine in that amount would crush most small businesses. He says this bill is an unnecessary heavy hand. And if you want this discussion, let's defeat this bill today and have a better discussion where we talk about the ins and outs and the opportunities to ensure that children grow up to have a world of business and hard work ready at their fingertips. Once again, Dennis actually looks at this as a mature man, a mature, fully formed man. Because one of the issues I have with the child labor laws in the state of Oregon, what they would call what bully, you know, the Bureau of Labor and Industry would look at as child labor laws are things that people that you and I used to be able to do when we were children. The restrictions are so intense now. And we wonder why kids come out of school not having had a, uh, not having had a job or any kind of work experience at all and having no clue of how to go to work or have any work experience when they come out of school. Because they've never done it. It's hard to hire a child. And with a maximum $10,000 fine for a violation, you can see why, boy, I'm just not going to hire any kids at all, you know, if you're going to start a business. You know, we're not talking about these kids uh, coal mining, for crying out loud. It's not like coal mining, which I guess was going on when my great-grandfather came on the uh, boat, you know, over here. Uh, Grandpa Yakshi, great-grandpa Yakshi. Yeah, there there were kids working the coal mines in those days. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that at all. So Linthicum, as usual, an adult in the room, an adult in the room of children, frankly, I think, in many cases, uh, is said, hey, $10,000 fine, maximum $10,000 fine, not good. Now, Senator Daniel Bonham, another Republican from the Dallas, though, said that he had brought his concerns about the penalty over to Bully and was reassured. He was, okay, he was reassured that the maximum amount would likely be imposed only in more extreme situations. Would you like to trust your business to whether or not Bowley thinks you're 
being extreme, if it's just a really extreme violation, I think what this really means, I mean, you know, the thing is, put it in the law specifically then what would trigger 10,000. As long as you leave it open out there, to me, you're, you're hoping that the, the administrative state, the same administrative state in Bully that would shut you down for not putting a mask on. Remember that? Now would have the ability to fine you $10,000 as a business person, too, if there was something that was not quite right. Let's say that you were just not politically popular. And Bully just, uh, you know, you're, you're known for, uh, for fighting back against tyranny. You're a good conservative uh, person. And, oh, we got him now. Sweet Cakes by Melissa. What do you think would happen at Sweet? Remember the Sweet Cakes by Melissa thing and how Bully went after them again and again and again. Anytime you give Bully a $10,000 per day fine to smack somebody with their hammer, they're going to find, they're going to find as many people to hammer with that as they can. Don't even give them the tool. But anyway, Senator Linthicum on the wrong side of that argument. But remember, Senator Linthicum, a thinking man. And that's the last kind of person that they want, the system wants, in the state legislature. We don't want thinkers. We want uh, when people just uh, react and then vote. Which brings us to our next story. And it's, kind of, and it's related to Senator Linthicum. Federal judges agree that Oregon Republican senators who walked out can't delay consequences. Federal appeals court ruled yesterday the First Amendment doesn't protect state senators who walked out from conducting legislative work from losing their chance to run. The decision, they uh, say in Oregon Capital Chronicle, is a final nail in the coffin for a handful of Republican senators who have been trying to uh, evade a voter-approved constitutional amendment. Because let me tell you, there are a lot of dumb voter-passed things in this state because, uh, you know, as, as dumb as the voters can be, well, if you got dumb legislators, you got to have dumb voter uh, passed initiatives, too. 113 was really bad. I've said that time and time again. Sorry if you voted for it, and I'm calling you dumb. But it was not, a, not, a, not one of our greater moments in ballot measure history, okay? So anyway, you're not going to be able to avoid this. Ten Republican senators, six of whom would have been up for re-election this year, ground the Senate to a halt for six weeks in 2023 in the longest walkout in state history. Once again, thinking people denying quorum to try to prevent the uh, cutting off of children's uh, body parts under the guise of gender-affirming care. Remember that? That's what that was about. So it's much, much important then for people to be there and do their job so that uh, such horrendous bills can be passed. And the federal judges uh, are agreeing with this, this principle. So there we go. 770-563-3770-KMED. Problems in the water world. A couple of interesting stories. I'll share those with you, too, coming up. This is the Bill Myers Show. Amazing! That's what you'll be shouting once you visit Artisan Bakery Cafe. This family-owned and operated team is delighted to serve you their best of the best delights every day. From bagels to assorted breakfast croissants to signature sandwiches, delicious salads, soups, and fresh-baked European-style pastries, you'll be wowed one bite at a time. Stop by and meet the family. Catering available for gatherings, events, and special occasions. Order on DoorDash or stop by 1325 Center Drive across from South Fred Meyer. 
At Siskiyou Pump Service and Rotary Drilling Company, we provide well water services to your home and business from field to tap. Our drilling team will construct your water well and our technicians at Siskiyou Pump Service can take it from there with pump installation, water filtration systems, and installation of a holding tank if needed. Siskiyou Pump Service and Rotary Drilling Company are here for you with complete well water services from field to tap. Serving the Rogue Valley for over 50 years. Visit us at siskiyoupump.com. If you're going on a spring road trip, click on the travel report on KMED.com. We have changing road conditions, road cams, and gas prices throughout the region. Be prepared with the travel report on KMED.com. Sponsored by Lithia Body and Paint on Bullock Road in Medford. Ever wonder what's around the next corner? Past the trees. Into the canyons over the mountains or through the desert. That's where adventure lives. Take a Nissan SUV and go find it. Hi, I'm Lisa with Kelly's Automotive Service and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 629, Rick Manning will be joining us here in a few minutes. DC Swamp Update. Always do that Friday morning. I enjoy the talk and I hope you do too. Okay. Damian Mann writes in the Rogue Valley Times this morning, Medford's wastewater plant upgrades facing soaring interest rates. Now, they're hoping that the interest rates will go down. Uh, yeah, they'll probably go down a little bit here, but I think the days of uh, free money are probably beyond us now. Got to get the $38 trillion federal budget, you know, the uh, deficit, not the deficit, but the uh, the overall federal debt. Yeah, it's going to be tough to uh, get that down to 1% or 2% again. But I digress here. But Damian Mann writing in Rogue Valley Times, an up to $300 million overhaul of the city's wastewater treatment plant has hit headwinds because of higher interest rates. Now, this is the plant out on Kirtland Road, and it uh, serves most of the cities here in southwest Oregon. And they need to rebuild this in order to avoid violating the Federal Clean Water Act. And Medford officials, in figuring out how to pay for the overall, are now confronting interest rates on loans that loans that went from 1.8% just a few years ago to 5% in the current market. Adds millions of dollars over the life of the loans. Current Now, now check this out. Wow, this is something to put in your loose leaf here. Current sewer treatment bill for all users of the water reclamation facility, probably all the cities here in, in southern Oregon, in Jackson County especially, it's currently $9.79 per month, and that's expected to go up to $35 to $45 a month over the next 10 years. So you go from, uh, okay, let's just do the math quickly, 120 bucks a year for your sewage right now, and by the time they're done, it's going to be $550 a year for a typical homeowner. Whoa, that's sustainable. Holy moly. And I guess they're going to increase the monthly fee here pretty soon, about uh, 2 bucks. Pretty soon, 2 bucks a month, so that's $25 a year. City needs to upgrade about 60% of the existing wastewater plant next to the Rogue River. And it's about reducing nitrogen and phosphorus levels and also reducing the temperature, cooling, cooling it better. So we have that water story. Now, Tony Boom writes, talent's failing water meter system needs replacement too. How to pay for it uncertain. And I guess they're having trouble reading the water meters in the city of Talent. 
the radio water, you know, they got the little radio thing and uh, the, the little electronic gizmo that goes on the water meter. We have that uh, right now where I live. But um, said he hasn't decided how a meter replacement effort will be paid for. Suggestions have included using $825,000 in ARPA plans. That's the American Rescue Plan Act funds originally uh, budgeted to fix the city's skate park or rebuild the skate park and move the tennis and pickleball courts in uh, Chuck Roberts Park. And the skate park advocates are not happy. Now, I've had a lot of issues with Mayor Darby Ayers Flood, but she actually said something sensible. So it's good to know that occasionally she could be sensible. She said, about five months ago, a more critical priority rose, Mayor Darby Ayers Flood says. We think the greater need in our community is a good functioning water meter system. We know that our top priority, delivering fresh water to our community and being able to build correctly. Yep, delivering water, like one of the main things to have in life, absolutely right. So it's nice to hear the mayor actually say something sensible. This is good because there's been all sorts of gender and LGBTQ kind of uh, uh, lickspittle stuff that she's been done, which is a little bit insane. So, you know, a little bit of push me, pull you. <sighs> but Tony Boom talks to this uh, a Phoenix resident about this and says, uh, after funds for the skate park appeared firm, Clarky Clark, a Phoenix resident with experience in the state skate industry in California, said she was surprised to hear Millman speak at a console session after seeking a grant from the skate, the state for skate park work, Clarky Clark, why should the kids suffer to pull all the money from parks and recreation programs is just a little bit crazy. And I would just say, Clarky, first off, why are they caring what someone from Phoenix says? This is in talent. You're not even paying for it, Clarky Clark. And because, yes, even you, big skater that you are, water is more important. Just saying, paying for the water meters, that's a big deal. Uh, priorities, priorities, priorities. And I'm sure that uh, the Democrats want uh, Clarky Clark to be able to vote even harder. This is the Bill Myers Show on KMED, KCMD. Rick Manning standing by. We'll get him on. Looking forward to the D.C. Swamp Update. Hey, 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 it's 2024, and I want to help you buy a new Ford or new-to-you certified pre-owned vehicle. Joel here, and nothing says I love you like a brand-new truck in your driveway, especially when you can finance a new Ford F-150 at the low, low rate of 1.9. Hi, Rick. Just want to say good morning. You're looking great. You're looking great. 0% financing for 60 months. Come to Ashland for low rates. 1.9% financing on Ford F-150s. 0% financing on Ford Escapes and Edges. That's how Fords cost less in Ashland. Remember, Butler says yes to 0% financing. Butler says yes to bigger discounts and rebates. Butler says yes to giving you more for your trade. Butler Ford and Truck Center, just 12 short minutes south of Medford, right off of exit 19, where we've got your truck, your SUV, and certified pre-owned. Looking for a quality used car, truck, or SUV? Start your Search at butlerpreownedsupercenter.com. That's butlerpreownedsupercenter.com. 60 monthly payments of 1667 per 1000 finance and 72 monthly payments of 1471 per 1000 finance on approved credit through four credit financing. Offer ends 3424. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. Good morning. I'm Marcus Villa with your MEC5 morning news update. A bill that controls funding allocation could bring major relief to Southern Oregon. House Bill 5204 allocates funds for a variety of legislative decisions this session, including addiction recovery and treatment funds allocated under Measure 110. 
MEFA Representative Kim Wallen says a good portion of the funding allocated in the bill will come directly to Jackson County. The bill proposes giving $1.5 million in Medford's Addiction Recovery Center, for example, for a sobering center and withdrawal management expansion projects. It has yet to be approved by the House. Severe weather shelters are opening up to make sure no one is left outside tonight. The shelter at 2200 Ashland Street in Ashland is open through Saturday. It opens at 5 in the evening until 9 the following morning and door closes at 10 p.m. In Medford, the shelter at 332 West 6th Street will be open until 8.30 tomorrow morning. There will be food, bedding, and dry storage capabilities at this low-barrier shelter. The city will postpone the removal of tents until the end of the severe weather event declaration. Fires are still prohibited throughout the city. The Grants Pass Warming Shelter at 1990 Northwest Washington Boulevard opens tonight through Sunday. The door opens at 5.30 each evening and closes at 9. Wake-up call is at 6 in the morning, and all guests must be off the property by 8 a.m. For MC5 News, I'm Marcus Veal. Have a great weekend. The promise I made to my grandmother 20 years ago to create a place that feels like home, with great food and caring people, and a really nice yard, continues today in Medford. The Springs Living was a dream that was created for my family, and we're still here today to make life just a little bit Yes, I can. The Springs at Anna Maria in Medford. Call 541-774-1822. At Pressure Point Roofing, we're dedicated to the best roofing solutions to protect your home or business. The demand for our expertise is soaring. Due to overwhelming response, we're now booking new projects into spring already. But here's the good news. Secure your spot on our schedule by booking now. Why wait when you can have peace of mind sooner? Have questions on cost? Call to schedule an appointment to learn about our finance options and beat the summer rush. Book in advance and ensure your roofing project gets the attention it deserves. Call Pressure Point Roofing today. The Bill Myers Show is on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on lights because I don't want to see Rick Manning, president of Americans for Limited Government, DailyTorch.com. And I don't know, uh, Rick, do we want to do uh, Skype or do the... I've been, I'm on Skype, but I can't hear you. And I, so I kind of... Oh. Are you on Skype? Can you hear me? Well, I don't know. But if you can't hear me... Let's just go with the phone, the cell phone again, all right? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a new computer. I know it's what I'm going to okay. do. <laughs> I've used three different computers doing this, so... No problem. <laughs> All right. Use Skype. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's do with the uh, let's do the cell phone at this point. Then okay. okay? We'll uh, we'll call I'm it good. Skype world. All right. So, uh, all right, Rick. Uh, we have another budget deal, and was this pretty much baked in the cake? Was there is there any way to actually go back to regular order and actually pass budgets and and have any kind of control over the spending right now, or is it just politically absolutely impossible to get anything like that happening right now? you think about that i think it's become politically impossible and and i listen this house has passed seven appropriations bills okay seven out of 12 they passed them through the house and went through a process the senate has passed zero Mm -hmm. so you know we always end up focusing on the house as being the problem but the fact of the matter is the house has gotten seven of them done and they kind of gave up. 
because the Senate wasn't doing anything with any of them. So the House is going through all the pain and the fights and everything, and then and which required, which was causing real havoc. And, and frankly, taking the blame too, right? You know, getting the blame. the blame. Okay. Well, you know, while they were the only one doing any work on it. Hmm. And meanwhile, Schumer has sat there and sat on seven bills. They didn't come back and say, "Oh, well, we don't like what you have in this bill, so we're going to change it." They didn't do that. They didn't send a bill back to the Senate House so they could can have a conference, go through the normal process. And and quite honestly, Joe Biden hasn't been dem- demanding that anybody pass an appropriations bill because it works to the establishment's interest to do it all at once, get rid of, as Mitch McConnell, before he decided to say he was going to do this after the end of this year, um, you know, it says, oh, we need to do a clean CR. Get rid of all this stuff. All clean CR means is we're going to accomplish nothing with it. Oh, that's what it means. It means we're just going to keep spending the same amount. We're going to keep doing the same thing we've done in the past. You know, they they want a clean CR with a higher with more spending. That's what Mitch McConnell was coming out for. That means nothing done about about the spying on American people, the censorship. Nothing done about the border, nothing done about anything except for just let's just keep doing the same thing we've been doing and pretend like it's a solution. In other words, it's just spending on autopilot is what you're telling me, right? This is yeah, basically the only thing basically what it says is, oh, well, we've got this problem and we don't know how we we don't really want to deal with it. So let's kick the can for another, you know, for another year, because the clean spending bill today means a, a continuing of that clean spending bill in October, in September 30th, um, which pushes to December. Then they sit there and they want to do shenanigans in December in terms of all sorts of crazy stuff, which ends up actually they get some shenanigans done in exchange for pushing it back to April of next year. Um, and then hopefully the new president is involved and, you know, so on. But, you know, he's only got three months and two months in office at that point and very little staff. So we really just kicked the can again. And it's a um, and so I've just laid out what's going to happen the next year and a half. Oh, and by the way, then the next new president, by said by September of 2025, uh, House is up for election in 14 months. So they're all worried about that. So we can't really do anything then either. And there's never a good time to actually fix the, do anything to fix the problem. And the reason they get away with it, though, is very simple. They're not fixing the problem anyway. If you cut the stupid budget, the stuff they talk about, by 10 percent, you effectively would be cutting, you know, about $200 billion. Let's say it's, let's say it's $1.7 trillion. Uh-huh. You'd be cutting 110 percent is $170 billion dollars for the budget. Our problem is not, as strange as it may seem, our problem is not in the money that the House is arguing over. Where is the problem if it's not in the money that the House is arguing over, Rick? Social Security, Medicare, Med- Medicaid, um, food stamps, um, the mandatory spending. We spent more in mandatory spending last fiscal year then we brought in for our entire, all the revenues of the United States in total. Wow. So everything, okay. from, well, and this was, 
and, and this is politically untouchable. You know that's politically, and you know that's politically untouchable, right? All the all- well, it's not politically untouchable. Is they is they don't want to touch it, and and you know, but if they can't, fix, well, no, they don't want to touch it because they they, they won't be reelected if they do, right? Well, no, I think there there are some things they can do that that can you can still get it reelected, but the problem is you can't fix it and get reelected. You can you can cause it to be less uh, pernicious and get reelected, oh. and and try to deal with it at least deal with a little bit of it. The um, and you know, and the and the natural, you know, we're in 2024 now. So, and the Social Security trust fund is, a, and the Medicare trust funds in more trouble. I'll just do Social Security though. Um, it's 2033 uh, is when it's supposed to uh, hit the point where they have to do mandatory cuts to Social Security. That Congress would say, oh well, there's nothing we could do. It's just. And so then you're getting 80% of your payments from Social Security. Um, that's the path, the glide path we're on. Well, that really makes me feel better because I'm thinking that uh, 2033, I'll be 72, you know, at that point in time. And well, my, my, I'll pro- point, my point, I'll probably be collecting at that point too. So I'll, I'll be, uh, you know, there to get the cut. Well, love it. Let me, let me give you the, well, let me give you the, okay, this is as a, <laughs> I had to make this decision. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm now, I, I'm now old. Um, today, actually, is the first day I'm supposed to collect Social Security. Okay, so it is a momentous day. It is a day I've dreaded my whole life. I am now officially in my in my brain the way my brain calculates age. I am now officially old. Mm-hmm. So, given that, take you know, so understand. I've gone through thinking this through a lot over the last year. I made a decision at my age at sixty. It's I'm born in 57, 66 and a half, you can collect full Social Security, what they call full Social Security benefit, without having to worry about, you know, them deducting because you're only allowed to owe, you know, make so much money and all that kind of garbage. Um, so I decided on day one that I was eligible for what's called full Social Security, I was going to take it. Okay. Part of the equation was a lack of certainty of what's going to happen, or at least almost more certainty than not of, of what's going to happen. Down. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You kind of say you better grab it right now while you can, at least uh, well, get well, some of your and, return, right? Well, and that's because it's not going to end, okay, because it's politically not viable to end. What they're going to end up doing, though, and the Democrats have been pushing this plan for at least 10 years, um, and maybe longer, just 10 years that I'm aware of, is a plan where they essentially say to Social Security recipients, well, you've got all this money you've paid in, and Social Security will tell you how much money you've paid in mm-hmm. to program over 40, 45, how many ever years. The, you've got all this money you paid in. Well, we're going to give you an annuity on – actually, that's not – okay, Social Security, they know how much money you paid in. I'm saying uh, shift, shift thinking to 401Ks. Okay. They've got a plan where they want to take your 401K – and pay you an annuity on it. And they'll pay you an annuity based on a certain interest rate and say, okay, you've got, say, $50,000 in a 401k. Um, they would say, okay, well, we're going to pay you 5% uh, as an annuity for your 401k. So every single year, you're going to get 5% off of $50,000, which is 20, $2,500. And we're just going to give that to you. 
And you don't, your return on investment, you don't have any guarantee in return on investment. This is a guaranteed return. So you're going to get uh, $200 a month, it's about $2,500. On your $50,000 um, uh, 401k. $50,000 hmm. 401k, just guaranteed. Um, money, money in your pocket. Now you could spend that 401k down if you know, and if you didn't take that, you could say spend that 401k down. But then at some point you got nothing, and so they're saying they say we'll give you money, and they'll make it lucrative enough that it makes sense. Maybe it's 10 percent on your 401k, but bottom line is the trade. The trade-off is they shove your 401k into the Social Security trust fund, mm-hmm. and the trade-off is. You've never, you, you basically, you do not have that money to give to your children. You, that money is no longer being, you can't pass along to uh, your heirs. It's the government's money. And so it's a it's a scheme to get Democrats have been talking about for 10 years to confiscate 401ks. And they've been talking about it quite openly, too. This is not a conspiracy theory. That no, this is, in, this is <laughs> in hearings, congressional hearings, um, talking, having experts from, you know, you know, universities you would recognize, talking about how do we solve this? Well, you know, you've got all this money stacked up in 401ks. You know, put that money in the trust fund. Um, and secondly, the the second piece of this is they just transfer the trust fund debt to the the general treasury yeah. um, because it gets counted that way anyway. So they just effectively say there's no longer a trust fund, um, and that would create a um, that just puts us in general debt. Um, the danger on that, of course, is then Congress votes on your benefits every year, but that should happen anyway. Um, so all in all, there's things that they can do and would do, the Democrats would do. But I think the most likely thing they're going to do is confiscate your 401ks. You think they're going to confiscate uh, Roth IRAs, too? They'll go after that, too? The after-tax sure. ones? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's all it's all taxed. For, actually, the, ta- the Roth IRA might be might be exempt they might avoid that only because it's a um you've already paid taxes on that money mm-hmm. and it's a and you're essentially just if you're not paying taxes on your capital gains um so that's a an option that um as people get older they should probably consider converting some of their 401ks into Roth IRAs. Yeah. And let me ask you about this because... Since on, the, let me be clear. I got to say this. Okay. I'm not a financial advisor. All right. Okay. No, I'm I know we're not either, but we can talk about what sounds good. Just regular guys talking, I okay? Be, I, I just I just want don't want anybody running off to making financial decisions on their, their nest egg based on <laughs> Manning's musings, okay? I, I'm telling you what I think is going to happen in the future, and anybody who says they know what's going to happen in the future, future whose name is a god is uh, is has speculation involved. So. But when Democrats have been holding hearings about this and discussing it openly for about the last decade or so, yeah, pretty, you can pretty much pretty believe clear that, yeah, they want to do It's pretty this. clear that's what they're going to do. <laughs> and then you got Bernie Sanders, who has a plan to, um, he would expand taxes on, on Social Security, um, on people's Social Security payments. Um, you know it'll be progressive. Um, I think there's a strong probability if you have, if you're getting a relatively uh, Good Social Security return on because you've made money over the years. You paid a lot of money in because Social Security is supposed to be an insurance policy, um, where if you pay more money in, you get more money back at the end of the day. Um, I think there's a probability that they lower the top payment on Social Security, yeah, um, somewhat, or they and they they kind of work it. And they do a changeover in terms of. 
Um, so the, there's a chance that there's a probability you're going to pay higher taxes or Social Security benefits. Um, you're going to end up getting. Uh, you're, you're going to get more. You're going to get less for more. Okay, that's uh, you're going that, to get less. Mm-hmm. You're going to get less for more, and but they're going to do it in a way that makes it so they people who have uh, worked for 45, 50 years, 55 years, and have worked hard and haven't gone on vacations and haven't done all those things, haven't spent money stupidly and lost it at the track every every three weeks. Um, people like that are going to all are always the ones who end up getting screwed. Hmm. So excuse the expression. Okay, so the irresponsible but, will be rewarded. Okay, great. Love to hear course, it. Because they won't have anything. The people <laughs> who don't have anything will you be know? who they care about. <laughs> the people who saved and did everything are the ones who are gonna, are the pigeons. And, and by the way, I didn't uh, you know save a whole lot uh, either because uh, you know you, you get divorced, and it's amazing how destructively uh, financially. Uh, a divorce can be, but uh, we'll set that aside for right now. All right. Hey, uh, so that's what they're probably going to end up doing based on the fact that they can't cut enough in the regular budget to make a real difference like you're talking about. Okay. If, so if the Democrats make the decision, that's what they do. Okay. If the Republicans make the decision, do they have a plan, though? Well, right now their plan is to kick the can until the Democrats have to make the decision. So I, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you remember how we always plan. talk about the Republicans tend to govern in D.C. kind of like uh, the Washington Generals, the team that would play against the Harlem Globetrotters. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I, well. I, I, I say that somewhat facetiously. There's some people who, who are thinking, trying to figure this out, and um, the answer, if you want to get down to what the answer should be. Um, they had this problem with the federal employees, um, their pensions, um, many years ago, 20 years ago. And what they did is they said, okay, well, we're going to keep, they gave people an option. They said, we're going to keep you, um, you know, you can actually took away people's options. They said, we're not going to put any more people into this plan. If you're in this plan now, you, you're staying in this plan. Um, but we're going to create a, a split plan where, um, you still get a defined benefit, which was, you know, is essentially a, a you get paid a certain amount of money. You're paying in, you're paying in money, um, and you're going to get a certain amount of money. Um, so you're still going to get that. You know, it's based on how much money you make and the like. But we're also, but that amount of money is going to be significantly less than you get under the old plan. Got it. Well, it's kind of like Oregon Purs, Purs Tier One was that way. Right. That, and, that, and then you that was do, a huge one. And then, right. And then you do from there, um, we're going to put together a mutual fund where you can, where, you know, you're going to be as a retirement fund. You can choose to put as much money into it as you want. Federal workers got a really good deal. They got 6% match. Mm-hmm. So if you make $100,000 as the average federal worker does, um, you get. Uh, I said it's hundred thousand dollars of benefits, but in DC the average federal worker makes a hundred thousand. So let's wow. say a hundred thousand dollars. That means if you put six thousand in, the federal government puts six thousand in. That's a that's a six percent match. I don't think they'll match the general public at six percent because they don't have a union. But it's a um, um, and quite honestly, they, they that's a deal they had to cut with the Democrats to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But that's your – that's what the federal – so you have something called the TSP, which is their, essentially the, uh, the the 401K that you have 
as a federal worker that you're putting in and the federal government's matching it. So they do a combination of, of a matched 401k and a, and a pension. That's where they're going to – that's the logical place to go because they, they know how it works. And quite honestly, they have to survive it for about 20 years. And the reason they have to survive it for 20 years is because the baby boomer bubble is going through. Yeah, and then and the after they die, and they die, and they no longer have to pay that, then we're you, just on the old. You have a okay. you have a millennial bu- you have a millennial bubble too, but it isn't as um, it, it isn't as as dark and difference between generations as the as the baby boomer bubble is. So that's a um, that's part of it. Um, and so financially, they. They have a problem, but it's a short-term problem. So ultimately, I think both sides will end up kicking the Social Security Trust Fund into the general fund, if it makes the most sense, um, given that's what they effectively do anyway. Um, and they will um, – I think both sides will agree to, to um, eliminate there's, – there's a group of – we're getting really technical. But if you make over a certain amount of money, I think it's 160000 this year um, – and they're going to eliminate they're going to eliminate the cap on on you know because right. as, as it is you start making so much money and then you stop paying social security taxes they're going to probably right. get rid of that right they're going to just they'll get rid of they'll get they rid can. of that all and right the, tra- the truth is they already have to some extent because if you make above five hundred thousand yeah you go back and you keep and you start paying again so they've already set that precedent it's just a matter of so, no. so it's just it's just coming. All right, I appreciate the warning. So both both sides are kicking on Social Security because they know it's it's a it's a, it's death to but, really. But a real problem is Medicare, which is very confusing. But yeah, we don't even have time for that. All right, now that, that'll be next week. Maybe we'll talk uh, Medicare in the uh, swamp update. Well, I have but... to I have to understand it. But that's a different <laughs> thing. hey, if you can uh, if you can tease apart that uh, payment system in Medicare, you're a better man than me. That's for sure. Hey, Rick, let me uh, talk about uh, a couple of things that. Uh, kind of, uh, it was a Kabuki theater at the border this week with uh, with Biden and uh, and President Trump. There, or is it really going to? Are we going to actually get some real action out of what uh, this excrement show that's been going on at the border? Um, well, what's going to happen is the a couple of Republicans are going to are trying to uh, push through the Biden uh, budget supplemental. Mm-hmm. Um, at, through using a procedure called a um, discharge petition, where if you get 218 House members to say, we want this bill out of committee and on the floor, this essentially writes the rule for the vote on the bill. Um, and a couple of Republicans have said, we want this on the bill, and but not because of the border, by the way, because they want Ukraine. Because Ukraine's the most important subject in the history of the world. Oh, um, so this is know, how they pull it out, though. Okay. All right. so, but they they pull it out. But the bill they're pulling out is the is the Biden, and we've been it's been unclear. And today they're supposed to announce what bill they're dropping. But it appear, appears to be the Biden supplemental that he issued that he provided at the beginning. That has money for the border, and a lot of people can vote for it. Say, oh, I gave money to the border, but it's not a dime for closing the border. It's a, it's money to process people at the border more efficiently. Oh. Okay. It's money to send people and, you know, give them uh, air conditioning on the buses as they head. head oh, I see. In other words, we'll have more of uh, what did uh, Dementia Joe say? I called them the other day. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, newcomers. We will have newcomers, more newcomers, yeah. the ability to process the newcomers. Okay. So that, uh, that is the, so that's that's what 
<laughs> the House floor action that when you hear about something called the discharge petition that's going to deal with Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan, it also has money and it deals with border security. It doesn't deal with border security. It deals with processing people, increasing the capacity of the Border Patrol to process people at the border. The Border Patrol came out in favor of that because, not because of process or the Border Patrol Union, but because they'll have more members. Because and, of course, anytime you have a union that gets more members, men, they're happy with that. They're, they like that. They're happy with that. Okay. They get more pay. They get more money in the coffers. So, essentially, but those Border Patrol agents are not or would not be hired to do anything other than process people and send them forward. They're, they would not be hired to do anything about securing the border. So that's the fight. Um, Mike Johnson's speaker has been rock solid on this. And unfortunately, we, it gets so lost in the idea of, oh, you know, we want to also, we want to have, you know, 20 billion or 30 billion cut out of the budget. We're spending too much money, which we are. But the House Republicans, who want to deal with the border need to get the House Republicans who are have a mindset that if we if we cut ten billion ten billion dollars out of a six trillion dollar problem we're going to solve it um, when Joe Biden doesn't want to solve the problem they have to get those people to understand that if we don't fix the border nothing else matters yeah. That's the that's way I look the at it too. Existential threat. You know, we have that's the existential threat. Right now, you have some you have some clear existential threats. The budget, as much as I hate to say this, because as you know, I've been on this for a long time, fighting for cutting this darn thing and figuring out how to cut size scope of government. It's my mission, mm-hmm. but they're not going to do anything that matters in that in that fight in the next six months, the next nine months. You need to have a clean sweep. And you get, you know, two bites of that apple to actually cut the budget. So, so the only thing you can't do, you better fix the but you better fix the border issue, and you better fix you it better now. Fix the border, yeah. and you got to fix the border issue because it goes back to the the benefits issue. If you don't fix the border issue with the, with people being signed up for food stamps and Medicaid and going to California and getting all those things from the government, you know who pays? You know how can we have? Well, we can't we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things with an open border. Okay, that's the we bottom line. We can't have nice things with well, but it goes back to the budget thing. These guys don't want to take it for ten and twenty billion. If you don't stop the flow of illegals, we're taking mandatory spending money into their pockets. Every single one of them. If you don't stop that, your ten trillion or ten billion dollars gets spent immediately into those in benefits, stop the flow, and you're going to slow the growth of your mandatory spending. It is that simple. And so if they could figure out that money, the, the discretionary money they're talking about, doesn't matter as much as the money that we're spending on, through mandatory. On the mandatory. mandatory money is going to people who are illegal. People who are illegal, too. A vast majority is by people who are illegal. Okay, let's be clear. But the increases are are disproportionately towards people who are illegal and newly here, newcomers. You've got to deal with that problem, and if you deal with that problem, you solve part. You at least do a partial solve on a lot of the other problems that we have in the fiscal side. And if you're not, and that's just nobody can do math in D.C. It drives me nuts. Nobody can do math. Yeah. Okay. Well, you see, so the border. 
is the key for all of that trouble right now. Yes. Because of, well, of the mandatory spending that comes with uh, just having uh, absolutely uh, just allowing millions when, upon millions. When, Cal- when California says everybody on Medicare, it, we're going to allow everybody Medicare to collect. And they send a bill to the federal government. The federal government has a reimbursement on it. They give, they give you know, 80, 90 percent. Pay 80, they pay they pay a portion. Federal government pays a portion of Medicare. Right. So while it, it so California makes a decision, we pay for it nationwide. Mm-hmm. That's just the, that's real. And that's why the border is number one. It is the problem, not Ukraine, not Israel, not Taiwan. Fair enough. It is our number one. It is our number one problem. We have to deal. We have to do Israel, but it is a it is our number one problem. It is the it is the knife at our throat, okay. And you know, as much as I want to care about everybody knives at everybody else's throats, I have to care about the knife at our throat first, and then. And I think we can walk into government to help Israel, but they and should. We have a moral obligation, but we have our first moral obligation: the people actually live here and pay taxes here. Looks for me. All right, Rick. Hey, good uh, DC swamp update. <laughs> How interesting that people are thinking about what they're arguing about is not really the important stuff. And the important stuff is the border, because the border then spills into every other aspect of why the country's going down and going down hard. And this is why when you hear anybody complain about Mike Johnson, you need to just, you know, scream at your radio. Mm -hmm. Because it's a hard job, but he at least he's got he's over the target. And he needs to get the Republicans to figure out that his the people who ostensibly agree with him about the border um, to figure out that that's you know you only have three bombs you better drop them where you got it where you got the problem where you, you know all work. right Rick Manning president of Americans for Limited Government we do the DC Swamp Update every Friday at about this time Rick I appreciate it greatly we'll have you back not a problem all Thank right you. it's good I wasn't on, on on Skype because I was stalking around my office and stomping around my office as I talked. Okay. You could probably tell. Take care. <laughs> so you're a pacer, right? When you're angry, you're angry. I, you're pacing. When I, yeah, when I get when I get worked up, I pace. All right. I'm good with that. Six after seven. KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD, Grants Pass is where you are.